This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Um, let's turn in our Bibles then and stand together. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to dive right in. we got a lot to cover today, and so I want to jump right in. And as we are jumping in, I'm going to just um, take pause after certain sections of this for us to kind of think about it. But I want you to just read along with and remember this is God's word. We're going to read Genesis 3, 1 through 13 and John 1. Um, and so we'll, we'll read that here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed the fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sounds of the Lord, the sound of the Lord God as he, walked, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman who put you here, who, who you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. John 1, 10 through 14. He was in the world and through the world has made was made and though the world was made through him and the world did not recognize him he came to which was his own but his own did not receive him yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god children not born of natural descent nor of human decision or the husband's will but born of God, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Church, I wanted you to look at a, uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of pieces here, and as we establish, um, as we're studying a text like this, it's important for us to read it through the proper lens. If we're honest, many of us believe that what's, what Scripture is all about, and we've come up with our own kind of 
uh, ideas of, of what the Bible is, and we've even given it our own terms. Like The Bible means basic instructions before leaving earth. And we quote it like it's actually a Bible verse somewhere, that that's what Bible means. The reality is when we see scripture through that light, then what we really believe is God has a set of rules that he wants us to follow. And these rules are his primary concern. And so we live our lives trying to follow his rules. But what you have to see in this is our relationship with God is primarily covenantal before its command. He created us for relationship. He created us for covenant, that us two, that God and man were, were one, that we were created in his image. There's a covenant that we have with God, and that covenant has built into it commands for the protection of the covenant, but it's primarily covenantal before it is command. So when you are rejecting, rejection is not about breaking rules, it's about breaking relationships. You see, when you are rejecting the covenant, you are rejecting the God which you are in covenant with, and what ends up happening is when you are living your life breaking rules, you are not only just breaking rules, you're breaking relationships, not just with God, but it's destroying your relationships here on earth. You saw that with Adam and Eve, right? They start blaming each other. That woman you gave me. This reality is it breaks relationships with God and others and knowing God's heart must be understood. There's some hum, some feedback. I'm going to need some help from And Maybe I'm just hearing it, but I, I need some help. Maybe the sound is not muted or whatever. Fix it for me. <laughs> to know God's heart, you must understand the direction of your relationship. Meaning, if you think your relationship is about following his rules, then you don't understand God's heart. And so what you end up doing is coming up with your own set of ideas about what it means to be in a relationship with God. And so here's what I want you to see because it's, not, it's so important for us to continue to reiterate these same points. First is this. We were created for oneness with God. You see that circle there? That circle reality, covenantal reality, that we are in this circle and God and man are one. And it was because of sin where you see this line breaking through the circle. It's because of sin that we have been separated. Relationship was broken. And so what we end up doing, because we see relationship is broken, we end up creating our own religion. And what religion tells you is that what you need to do is work your way up to God. You need to follow his rules. I swear, I swear. <laughs> by this moon and the stars and the sky, I promise, God, this time I will follow you. 
I'm going to do it this time. I know I haven't done it, and I've tried hard. I'm going to try harder. I swear, I'm going to work my, I'm going to give, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to work my way up. And all along in the religion, the fear is, is God going to receive or reject me? Am I going to do enough to get to God? The gospel is completely different than this. This is why Jesus, the apostles, this is why those were fighting against those who would do false teaching, who would tell you you're saved by the law. Follow his laws because the law is the most important to work your way back up to God, to cross this line. And they would call this false teaching. They would, the direction is completely wrong because what the gospel says is that Jesus came down. The reason the line is crossed is not because you could cross it. It's because Jesus came down and that did in flesh and dwelt among us. Now the real question is, who's the one doing the receiving and the rejecting? God's not doing the receiving and the rejecting. God has received us. There is not one who has sought him. There's not one who has come to him. There's not one who is weak and who is heavy laden, who has been rejected by God. There's not one who's been called to him that could be rejected. The reality is what we see in the gospel is that as he comes, many reject him. They don't even recognize him. They don't recognize and they reject, but there are some who receive. You see, the nature of our relationship with God is not about us going to him or working our way up. You see, we do not work our way up to him and worry about him rejecting us. He comes to us. We reject. We receive. We didn't do the work. We didn't earn it. We definitely don't deserve it. Can you say amen to that? We can't boast in ourselves. But the reality is we continue to live our lives in a way, if we're honest, that we say, yeah, that's the good news. But we continue to live our lives in a way where we're like, God, I'm going to do it. I'll work my way up to you and I'm going to get before you and you are going to be, you're going to be blessed by me. Right? You're going to like that. We, what I, I'm going to do for you and you're going to like, and then we're on this roller coaster, and we continue to live functionally religious. Can I tell you, the ones that were separated from God were the ones that in the world they thought they had gotten closer to him, but they were actually farther. It was the religious teachers and the teachers of the law and the ones who continued to say, do this, do this. And then it was the prostitutes and the broken and the, and the, and the, and the addicts and the, and the ones who were on the ground and the outcast and the marginalized. These were the ones in which Jesus would, would be on the ground with scribbling in the dirt. And he's like, any of y'all want to throw the first stone? I don't even know what he wrote in the dirt. My picture is I, I just think he was writing names of their ex-girlfriends and boyfriends, right? <laughs> Shaquille, <laughs> Julia, whatever, writing names, and they're like, oh, I'll drop the stuff. He knows some stuff, right? 
See, what you, what you have to understand about this is that we continue to, to strive to cross the line and reject him. Reject his presence. Reject what? We reject the covenant of relationship and we would rather have rules. How many of us just said, if God would tell me what I should do, I would do it? No, you wouldn't. But we would rather have a list of rules than a relationship with Jesus. See, the reality of this is we reject for a few reasons, just like Adam and Eve, and just like all the people throughout history. Why do we continue to reject? Let me give you a few thoughts on this, and then we'll, we'll, we're going to go to some, some really powerful stuff here. First of all, we reject, and I hope you write these things down and go meditate on them later. We reject because we listen to the voice of doubt. When the serpent approaches Eve in the garden and they're there, what is his first thing? Did God really say? Pastor Wayne last week did an incredible job talking about how powerful God's word is. When God speaks, it happens. Can you say amen to that? When God speaks, it happens. He created all things. And, 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 and through the, the, the power of his word, all things are created. But, but what the enemy tries to do is try to speak a voice of, did he really say? Doubt begins to creep in and we reject him because, because we doubt. We reject because we don't trust his character. In the very next verses, as she says, well, this is kind of, this is what he said. And she even changed some things and add some things. This is kind of what he said. And then he said, no, he didn't, you won't surely die. Matter of fact, he's scared you'll be like him. He's trying to withhold good things from you. He doesn't want your eyes to be open. He loves having you blind. What the enemy is doing is maligning the very character of God. We reject him because we don't trust his character. We don't think he's good. We don't think he's gracious. We don't think it's kind. We begin to look at his character and we listen to the voice of doubt and we begin to reject his very character. We reject because we see our weakness and our nakedness. This one's hard. What do you mean that's rejection? Do you realize deep insecurity is rejection? When their eyes were opened, they didn't see how great they were. They saw how weak and naked they were. And what did they do? They hid from God. They hid from the very presence of God because we reject him because when we see our weakness and nakedness, what we end up doing is saying, I need to go away, fix myself, hide myself, cover myself, and only come back when I can come back strong. We don't know how to be weak in the presence of God. You see, many of us are living in this same pattern. When we come into a place like this, the reason we don't come around people where it's in the light is because we see our weakness, we see our nakedness, we see that, and what we end up doing is rejecting the presence of God and hiding from Him. 
We don't know how to boast in our weakness that grace may abound. So we reject him. Another reason we reject church is because he doesn't meet our expectations. That's what you see in John chapter 1. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Why didn't they receive him? He comes in flesh, wrapped in flesh. He humbles himself all the way to the point of death. Why did they not receive him? Because in their minds, they had created the kind of God they would worship, and he didn't fit it. He will come in in strength. He'll deliver me. He'll fly in like Superman. He'll pull me out, and then he'll save me. He'll, he'll kind of say, hey, I'm here for you, and then fly off. Stay out of your life. He'll come in strong and overthrow all the powers of oppression. He'll do all these kinds of realities. And, 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 and all of that is good because we need that. But we don't want covenant. He comes in humble as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes. They can't even recognize him because they had created an idol of the God that they would worship and he didn't fit it. Many of us are hiding from him because of our weaknesses, and many of us are breaking relationship with him and others because they can't meet our expectations of what we think relationship looks like. We reject him because he does not meet our expectations. You see, the reality of what we're celebrating at this time is... In Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever, the light, the word, the power of God wrapped in flesh coming to his people, the same God who does this work over and over again, comes through the prophets, comes in Jesus, sends his church. He's continuing to, to cross the line, to cross the walls, to bear, to take down the walls of hostility so that those who are called to be his children come into this relationship with him. That is the same, but there's also something else that continues to be a consistent thread. Our rejection. Church, I, I want us to see that this is not just then. This is now. So what we've been doing is uh, bringing up people who kind of illustrate this idea of the same God who overcomes our rejection of him is still at work today. It's not just back then. He's still at work today. It was back then, but he's still at work today. Can you say amen to that? So as we were planning this, we were praying and thinking of people that, you know, and immediately uh, this, this, this person came to mind. I've known um, Jeanette for a long time. So I'm going to ask Jeanette to come up here, and you can give her a hand. And... Uh, I'm going to tell you, she's about to, she's about to let you have it, so get prepared, okay? Um, I, I, I want to say this about Jeanette before she starts. Um, um, we've known each other for a long time, 15 years. 
And um, as you're going to hear in her testimony, it's going to sound like a lot of hard stuff has happened. And that's true. To her, in all of our relationships as we've walked through life together, you're going to go, my goodness, how, 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 how did these relationships happen? But I, I will say this. I am so proud of you and thankful for you because of not many people would come up here and boast in their weakness. And the reason why is because they don't understand the grace of God. I have seen in you someone who knows and has experienced God's grace in such a way that you could sit here with, with me, with us, your family, and boast in your weakness and by your own confession saying, I just want people to know the very grace of God. So listen, we love you. And as you've been meditating on this, um, this section with me for the last few weeks on rejection, I ask you to share your testimony and some of those things. And so I want you to just open up your heart to us. Let us listen. And uh, I believe God's going to speak some stuff through you. Okay. Less crying this time. Um, so I've, I've known the Lord a really long time. Um, I was separated from my mom for just a small period of time and, um, and my brothers. And then, uh, I was reunited with her and it was just her by herself trying to raise me, um, in Alhambra actually. <laughs> um, I always wanted a family. I wanted a family really bad and I, and I struggled with that. We, we just had it hard living in shelters, um, the projects, I, I always wanted just to be along, belong to something and be a part of something. Um, so we were a part of this church. Um, unfortunately, they had abused some of their positions there. Uh, they ended up oppressing. It was very legalistic. Um, I, I knew about God, and I had, and um, I, I did have a relationship, but I didn't understand because a lot of the, the legalism that was pressed on me, like he said, um, I, I just, I couldn't keep up with the stuff that was happening. So I ran away all the time, my poor mother, um, constantly in and out of juvenile. Um, I was involved in so much sexual sin, um, just from 13, 14 years old. And I was baptized so many times because I, I just wanted to make sure, you know, this next time, Lord, I'm just, I'm going to baptize again. I'm going to confess you. Um, so um, later on, I ended up, getting pregnant at the age of 16, I was asked to leave that church. And I said, well, where do I go? And they said, we don't, sorry, just don't come back here. Go to a Methodist, Catholic, Jehovah, just do not come back here. And so I left with my baby in my stomach, and I didn't know where to go. And so I married a man for 10 years who he was, in, he was broken, and he would and he struggled with addiction, and he would continue to oppress me even further. He would abuse me in many ways. Uh, during that time, I found New Generation, which is where I first met Aaron. Um, and I would be in and out of church again. I would go into shelters with my baby. And I would just come back. Um, by the final round of that, I ended up starting to, to work in the, in the strip clubs. And... I was like Hosea's wife. I don't know if you guys know who Hosea is, but he was always going in and washing and cleaning his wife and just so she could go back out and do it all over again. 
And that was me. I would go back and I would turn away from him and I would pursue my own desires, my own lust. Um, I had no sense of value. I had no sense of worth. I ended up um, going really deep into this lifestyle of exotic dancing. Um, I fed off the power that I had over men. I eventually ended up pregnant and I went against my own beliefs and I had an abortion. Remember, I grew up in a very legalistic church, so this was very, very hard for me to do. I remember driving, and when I was driving, I couldn't see. My eyes were watery, but I made it to the clinic, and I sat with a lady, and she gave me the pill, and she didn't ask me if I was okay. She didn't ask me if I didn't want to do this. She just continued to do her job, and I just wanted somebody to ask me a question, and she never did. So I left with the second part of the medicine in my hand, and I pulled, and I happened to be passed by um, the church, and I just pulled in, and I was a wreck, and this was in the middle of the week during the day, and I seen um, Dana, Ronnie, and Julie, and I was broken, and I told them what I did, and they just wept with me, and there was one girl standing there, and I was so mean, and I looked at her. I was like, who are you? Mm. I don't know you. Like, you need to go mind your business. Like, still, my pride. (laughs) That poor girl. Um, So anyways, I went, I went home. Um, I found out that I wasn't able to stop that abortion. I had to take it. So when I got that phone call, um, my, my, my stomach went from here to the floor, and I just seen the word murderer. Mm. And I grabbed my stomach, and I just weeped. And I said, what did I do? But that did not cause me to turn to him. Instead, it caused me to turn from him. And so I just went deeper into, into that lifestyle. Um, uh, I, one night when I came home from work, well, I didn't, was it night? It was the next day. I told my mom I was going to go to church. I was going to go to church. Mm. And so I came home after my shift and after my party. And I came home about 7 in the morning, and my mom was upset. And she goes, you said you were going to go to church. And I was like, oh, I'm going. And so I went to the bathroom. I pulled up two lines of Coke, and I slammed it. And I grabbed my baby, Gabriel. And he was, he was in a diaper, a dirty diaper. He had a bag of Cheetos in his hand and one sock. And I threw him in the car. And I drove 60 miles an hour. And I got to church, and I was ready. And out come Paula and Dana. And I was like, I'm here. And they're like, yeah, you're two hours early. I was like, oh. Well, I came there to fight. I was in what I called a dress. It was a shirt. And my stilettos, like I looked like straight from the club. Um, and I was ready to fight. I wanted somebody to tell me what a wretched I was. I wanted somebody to spit, spit some scripture at me because let me tell you, I had it all down. I was ready to slap them with it too. And nobody did that. Nobody did that. They, they fed me. I gave them my drugs. <laughs> By that time, I started sobering, uh, not um, sobering up, but I started feeling the effects of the alcohol, so I was so tired. And I, Pastor Aaron was preaching about sexual sin, and I thought God was funny. I was like, oh, you got jokes, huh? And so I would fall asleep in the middle of the sermon. You could smell the alcohol off of my breath. And I'd wake up, and it was specifically towards me. And I'd go, ha, oh, there was one part when um, worship was on. And he said, worship me. And I said, I'm here, ain't I? He said, open your hands. And so I opened my hands. And he said, lift them. And I went like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, there you go. You got me. Um, and then, like, I just kept going in and out of this, passing out during the sermon. And then uh, at the end of it, he said, take off your dancing shoes. And I said, 
well, you better provide for me because this is the only way I'm bringing in the bills right now. And so I got my bag, and I went to the altar, and I fell asleep praying, and I woke up, and then I just left it there. And then I, I stayed with the Lord for a while. And during that time, he brought some healing, and then I met that handsome guy right there, Ted. Uh, and God gave me a husband that wouldn't abuse me, that would love me and care for me. And then I decided that I was going to be Hosea's wife again. And I was going to go out and I was going to party. And this time I'm going to take my husband with me. I'm going to be like Eve and say, try this. And so I did that. And I brought him down with me. And eventually, one day I remember, well, I, had, I had even cheated on him at this time. And it was in my heart. Nobody knew it. Um, and I sat on my porch and I was smoking some bud. And I heard this guy walk by. And he thought I was crazy. Because, I mean, I'm just stoned. I don't know why I'm talking to myself. Something triggers you. But <laughs> and he, t he told me in this side of my ear, and he said, what is it going to take to come back to me? And I scoffed. And I said, I don't know. He goes, what if you got in a car accident? And I was like, eh. Well, what if you became disabled? I was like, eh. Well, what if one of your kids died? Mm, that might work. What if your husband left you? I was like, nah. And he goes, well, what if you got pregnant? And I just laughed. <laughs> okay. And, um, and then he told me, he said, you're like a pig in your slop. And you're rolling around in it. And I said, yeah, I know. I like it. And I kept smoking. But four weeks later, I found out that I was pregnant. Now I have to go to my husband and I have to tell him, honey, I'm pregnant. And it's not your baby. And then I told him, but you can hit me. And he said, why? And I said, because of all the time I've gotten beat. This one, I'll take. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And then he was quiet and he was driving. I thought I was going to go to the desert. Okay. So I'm driving in a car with a white guy. <laughs> I'm about to be burned, not beaten. <laughs> that was scary. So um, I went through it again. Like I had to, I, I had, I, I didn't, even at that time I met with Heather and, and, um, and the Lord had spoke to me. And, and so I learned a lot and I started healing again and I was back in community and I thought this was it. And then God gave me and my husband a son and he, he reconciled our, our families and our brokenness. And then my husband would go and he would, you know, do football and stuff. And then I ended up um, not going to community as much. And uh, I started getting bored and tired, and I needed a glass of wine. And mommy needs a break now, guys. Just give me my space. Go get me my wine. And, and I went from a glass to glasses to bottles um, to pretty soon now I'm smoking pot again. And I'm not coming to churches frequently. And now I'm going to become dependent on myself and my own peace and my own understanding. And, and then I just started going back and I partying again. And I just got deeper. And now I'm back on cocaine. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to take ecstasy and now I'm going to dabble in a little bit of meth. And so I took my husband back with me. He followed me. And I, um, the week before I came home, I took a lot of mushrooms. I took five ecstasy pills. I crushed them up and I mixed them in the bag because it wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. I was really mad because all the dealers had the same, same stuff and nothing was working. Um, and so I just, like, was doing more and more and more, and I wasn't enough. And so um, the week after that, 
I got in a fight with Ted, and um, and I just I just didn't like him. And uh, the next day, um, after this party that I had, uh, he came to me and he was crying, and he told me that he was contemplating taking his own life. And if you've seen a broken man in front of you before, you should go and you should hug them and you should weep with them. And I just looked at him because he was getting on my nerves. He was destroying my sleep, and if I hugged him, it would be the fakest hug I could ever give a person, and I just want to be done with this already. I just, I need to go back to sleep. I, I, I didn't go into work that day. I left work. I drove, I ended up driving so drunk that night before. Um, I, I went to go look for meth because I couldn't find, like, cocaine, which just wasn't doing it for me. I, I needed to take it up a notch. Now, I wasn't going to smoke it, okay? I was just going to, I was going to snort it because this is my justification, and I couldn't find it. Um. So then that morning is when he did that, and, and then I heard the Lord tell me, he said, call Melissa. He always, I feel like he talks on this side. Um, <laughs> not my right side, but my left side. Um, and then I said, okay. So I called Melissa, and I go, what's your address? And she goes, what? What is your address? And so she was like, okay. And so she texted it to me, and I drove 80 miles an hour. Totally forgot I still had drugs and alcohol in my car. And I made it to her house. But on my way down there, he started re revealing Ephesians 5. And he started showing my, my wickedness, my wretchedness, like all the things that I was doing. My, 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 my stealing, my lying, my, my flirting, just everything was coming out. And then this is super personal. Okay, I was on my menstrual cycle. And then he goes, you are as filthy as that rag you have on. You are disgusting. You are wretched. And I was like, ugh. So I get to Melissa's, and I'm like, look, we got to talk. And I just throw it on the table because I knew if I hurry up and I don't do this, I'm going to go to bed, and then I'm going to wake up, I'm going to smoke a blunt, and I'm going to do it all over again. Um, and so she goes, oh, wow, I guess this was for you. And so she just hands me the Bible, and um, I read it, and it's Ephesians 5.14. And then he says, awake, O sleeper. And rise from the dead, and Christ will shine his light on you. And it felt like someone punched me in my heart, in my chest. And I said, <gasps> I was like, oh, God, what am I doing? Don't think I wanted him still. I just knew what I did now. And then she says, girl, you need detox. And I was like, yeah, I'm not as bad as all them other addicts. You know what I mean? I'm good. She's like, did you not hear what you just did? I was like, yeah, but I'm good. I was just like, no, like, like my crap was just in a really pretty box. I had a lot of sparkles on it. I had bows and bedazzles and everything on it, but inside of it was just still dumb. <laughs> um, and so I had to go. I, I, I did it. I went to detox, and I didn't want to go. I was, I was going to lose my job. Um, my husband can't take care of all of my kids and my family. Like, I don't know what to do, but the Lord just, just told me to, like, I, I had to take one step. And I didn't want to do it, but I just did it. And I didn't have a lot of strength in me. And so when I went about a week after of being in there, I remember I had wrote in my, um, my journal there. And I said, Lord, I need you. I don't want you. I need you. I would really rather go and have a beer, do a line, get high right now. So please help me. And he said, uh, he was grieving for me. If anybody's ever lost someone special to them and you look at their birthday, you pass by your restaurant, you remember that memory and your heart is sad. 
And he showed me like a picture of him just sitting with me and he was sad. And so I called home. I got to call the house and my husband answers and he says, you'll never guess. And he hands me the phone and I take it and it's Dana. Now, last time I talked to Dana, it was not nice to her, okay? She brings something out of me. <laughs> and she goes, hi. And I broke. And they brought me dinner. They didn't bring me little pieces of chicken for my kids. They brought me the good chicken, the chicken breasts that were stuffed. And I got a lot of family. They brought desserts. They brought deodorant. They brought toothpaste because I was stealing this stuff. If I could save 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there so I can go party, then I was okay with that. I'll just put it in my Louis bag and pretend like we didn't do nothing. But God was providing for me, and he was healing me, and he was showing me that 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 night before I was hanging over a cliff, and he plucked me before I went out, and he just picked me up. And he put me over here and he said, you're done because yes. my whole life I could never get it right. How do people yes. go to church and stay safe? How do you not backslide? Mm. How do you continue serving God for six months to a year? And like, how do you even like it? Wow. Like it gets old after a while. And I just, I couldn't get it. But he said, you're done. You're not going back. Mm. And so during that time, he just taught me that I can't drink. I'm not allowed to have a glass of wine. I don't know what to do with that. I'll drink it all up and then we're dead. Um, I, I don't, I, I can't breathe without him because if I yes. do it on my own, I'm going to kill my husband. I'm going to destroy my, my I'm going to lose my children. I'm going to hurt so many people. So I just need him. There's a, there's a text in uh, Corinthians where Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth. And if you've ever read the book of Corinthians, uh, they're a pretty jacked up church. Everything plus some more that uh, Jeanette didn't even do. They were making up stuff. Paul lays in on them. I mean, he's yelling at them. If, if you're reading it, you're like, man, he's, he ain't holding back nothing. But there's a, a place in which he looks at that church and he says, you are the crown jewel of my apostleship. There was a deep affection that he had for, for them that led them to pastor. And I, I would just tell you this. If, if you know anything about us or this church, If you're wanting pretty and, you know, everything perfect, you know, you can go somewhere else and it's probably not a good place for you. But I will tell you this. You can look at Jeanette and their story and go, man, that must have been tough to watch, to pastor, all the fights, all the struggle, all this. And I'll just tell you this. She's the crown jewel of my, of my pastoring. And I am so thankful to call her family. She is a massive blessing. There is, no, there is no sin that can separate you from God. There is no sin that can separate you from God that can keep you. There, there's, 
I don't care how far you have been, there is nothing that God cannot come into to, to meet you there. Jeanette is not just a, an example of that, but there's something to Jesus turning from the table of the, those who follow the law and looking into the face of this woman who's crying and washing her his feet with her tears, and he turns away from that, and he looks at her, and he says, who loves more? The one who's forgiven much loves much. The reality is that the depth of love that she has for Christ should be an example to all of us. Church, I, I want you to hear this today because as we go into this time where we come to the table, you cannot work your way closer to God. You can't follow enough commands to get there. You can't break enough commands to get there. But the reality is this. He has continued to come towards you as he has come towards our sister. He has continued to come towards you as he has come towards me. He has continued to pursue and love and reveal himself and come to walk with us. And the reality is receive him today. Receive him and, and put your faith and your trust in him. Believe in him. Stop rejecting him. Stop rejecting the covenant because he doesn't meet your expectations. Stop rejecting the covenant because it doesn't, it doesn't, it, 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 you're weak and you, and you can't do it. Stop rejecting the covenant because of your doubt and your disbelief in his character. That if we could just receive him, John says, we will become his children. We will become his children. It's to them that he's given the right to be called children of God. And that word child is a covenantal term. It's through that receiving of Jesus that we enter back into our original covenant with him where the walls of sin have been broken and all has been paid for and we are brought back into relationship. We're not brought back into a list of rules. We're brought back into relationship. And in that relationship, there are commands and, and health and life that we can live into and to follow. Church, I, I hope that you hear me on this today. Today, some of you came into this room hoping to hear a good Christmas message. And this is the best one you could have heard. Stop rejecting the presence of God. Now, some of you are sitting in here with a hardened, a hardened heart, but there's others of you who are sitting in here and your heart is pounding. This is you. He's calling to you. And right now is the time in which he is softening your heart. And now is the moment of salvation. Now is the moment in which you surrender your life to him and say, God, I want you. I want you. It's not about just being rescued or stopping this. or not. I, I want you. And I've been running from you. And I want you. Today is the day. Some of you have been rejecting his call, his voice in small ways. Today, your, your heart is pounding. Maybe you know him, but you know you've been neglecting him. And today, your heart is pounding because the goodness of this time is that he is here. He's with us. He's the God who is with us. So I'm going to ask Jeanette to just pray over us. And then there's two ways for you to respond. We're going to be over here.
And some people are going to be ready to pray for anybody who wants prayer. We'll be praying for you. But otherwise, respond by coming to the table and drinking of his body and blood and receiving this covenant. Though the tables will be open and we'll pray together. So could you close your eyes and Jeanette, could you just pray for us? And then right when she's done praying, respond. Respond by coming for prayer or by coming to the communion table. Forgive us, for we know not what we do, O oh God. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation, Father. Have mercy. Turn our hearts towards you, Lord. Give us the faith to respond, Lord. Let our will not be done, God, but your will as it is done in heaven, Father God. Your sheep know your voice. I pray for mercy, Lord. I pray, God, that we would come to you. I thank you, God, that no matter what we do, Lord, you are faithful and you are just and you are good and you are holy and you keep your covenant with us, Lord God. For you have called us by our name and you have set us apart to be your own, oh God. And no matter what we do or what we say, Father, you will have us. I ask, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would be consumed by us, Lord, that we would respond to your call, Lord, and that we would glorify you just by taking that step and breathing and just lifting up our hands or opening our palms, oh God, and saying, help us, Jesus. Amen. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.